When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? How about you, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of the Auburn Live show, Recruiting Edition. You know it better as the Triple Freaking Pod. I'm your host, Jeffrey Lee, Senior Recruiting Editor for Auburn Live on 3. If you're not a member of that site, you've got one week left. One dollar promotion, big time. One dollar for the entire year. Can't beat it, man. It's like a sore pecker. Uh, we've got plenty of stuff. You will not be disappointed. You will get your money's worth the minute you log in. One dollar, Auburn Live on three for an entire year. Special's good for, I think, the end of the month. So don't waste any more time. Jump on there because we do a lot. We especially talk about recruiting and to help me do that today, We've got Jay Head, Mr. Jay Head. How you doing, Big Dog? I'm doing good, brother. I'm excited nice. to talk a little recruiting today with you guys. Obviously, college football is going to be kicking off here very soon. That's the rumor. So the feel is in the air right now, but I'm excited to talk a little recruiting with you and our other special guest today. Special guest. Cole is on assignment today, so being replaced with Mr. Keith. Keith Niebuhr, yeah, man. How, how the hell are you doing, Big Dog? Yeah, I'm the big backup act here, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, bringing you off the bench, man. Yeah, it's like like bringing in uh, uh, Taco to play putting on the Ritz when everybody was expecting Bon Jovi. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody under the age of fifty knows what the hell you're talking. Well, they got to look it up. Okay? <laughs> I got you know some of these young folk need to le- learn their history. Okay, there's nothing better than pop culture from an era. That's, that's who was uh, replacing Bon Jovi? Taco. You don't remember the song "Putting on the Ritz"? Putting on the Ritz. No, I man. do eat, but I, you know what I mean? I, I got an old soul. Come on, man. Yeah. Classic, 80, classic 80s song that absolutely sucked. Yes, you are totally. Anyway, I'm here. I'm here. I'm glad. Hey, I'm Keith Niebuhr has joined us, and that's all that matters. Because we've got a big day today. Auburn has a big day today. Potentially. Dequavia Sori, the four-star wide receiver from Chipley, Florida, the former Georgia commitment, is going to announce a second commitment. He's got Alabama, he's got Florida, he's got Miami, he's got Auburn in his final group of schools. We all agree, have been for about a week now, that Auburn is in a very good position to get him. It would be a big pickup. Already have four-star wide receiver Carmelo English committed. Has been since about, I think, July the 4th. He was an Independence Day guy. So, getting sorry, we give Auburn two four-star wide receivers. Keith, we'll go to you first, man. What do you think about sorry? Yeah, sorry, I got a little cold here. You know, real athletic guy. He's got some height. He's listed at 6'2". Now, I, you know, I've never seen him. I never met him. <laughs> you know, he's visited Auburn a couple of times, but I don't think I've ever really talked to him. So, he's, he's kind of a mystery recruit. He hasn't done a ton, a ton of interviews through the through the last year, year and a half. Um, you know, cousins with Georgia linebacker Xavier Sori, Cousins with the great Florida running back Neil Anderson. I think he's related to some other people, too. He actually told me yesterday – uh, Thursday, he said, hey, man, it, you know, I'm in Chipley. 
uh, Neil Anderson was in Graceville. He said, but between these two towns, he said, they're so small, I'm pretty much related to everybody. Hmm. So if there's anybody great from one of those towns, and there have been many, many athletes, uh, Tony, I think it was Tony Milton might have been his name, was a running back for UF. Uh, I believe mate wasn't the great artist Gilmore. The NBA center was from that area. So for all I know, he's related to all of these guys. Okay. But he's a fantastic uh, uh, athlete. You know, again, got the height, 6'2", over 180. Um, you know, I think people just haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, and he did have a lot of schools off after him. Now, you know, was he takes at all those schools? You know, maybe the main ones at the end he was not. But there were a lot of schools that would have been glad to have him. I mean, for Florida, it was a case of just kind of running out of room, really. Numbers got tight at, at the positions that they were evaluating him at. And that happens. Uh, doesn't mean a guy's not good, though. Um so I think for Auburn, this would be a pretty significant pickup. It's another guy. I mean, look, it's another guy that uh, is kind of off the radar a little bit, but um, but people know about him, and he's got a lot of a he's got a lot of ability. I guess people want to see a little bit. That people want to know how fast he is, and that's something we can't answer. He hasn't really we haven't really seen him in any camps or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> Auburn locked in on him. I kill you, the receivers coach Jeff. You know this. You've written this. They locked in on him fairly early. Uh, so if you if you kind of come in late on a guy in December, sometimes as as recruiting reporters were like, well, eh, did you just come in on him because you needed him because you had a spot? You, there's these guys that are quote unquote discovered late every year. Uh, a lot of them are good. Jameer Gibbs, the Bama running back, when Georgia Tech got him, nobody knew about him his whole senior year really, and then he just kind of exploded late. But then there are others that that everybody's got to have, and we never hear from them again. And so. My point being that Auburn, this wasn't a late reach. This wasn't a late grab. This is a guy they identified pretty early, Very uh, pretty, pretty soon after I kill you, the receivers coach at Auburn got to Auburn from the NFL. So a guy that's been in the NFL, a guy that was an All-American receiver, by the way, All-American receiver, probably one of the four or five best receivers that you at Florida history, Florida Gators history, then played several years, was very good in the NFL, uh, and then coached in the NFL for you know several years. He identified him early. That that's good enough for me to at least think the guy can play a little bit. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean he's going to pan out. We don't know. Sure, but but because we don't know that about anybody. But the fact that they identified him early, they being really I kill you, and I assume Brian Harson and Eric Kiesel, that that generally means something. You know, I don't know how y'all feel about that, but that's kind of my take. Jay Head, we've been talking about Auburn wanting that outside, that big outside receiver. You see this guy, Dequavius Sorry, fitting that mold. 100%. I mean, like Keith said, 6'2", uh, over 185, 190 pounds at this point as a senior in high school. And he's at a very small school. It's not like he's at the greatest development program. You know, I mean, he's not playing at Hoover High School or he's not playing, um, you know, like another big prospect at Lakeland, Florida, like Janoris Wilson. You know, I mean, schools that typically put out power five prospects year over year. But in the panhandle, Auburn has had success before. Guys like Reggie Slack, guys that were a little bit overlooked to a degree, but just had those athletic traits that popped off the screen. And like Keith said, you know, recently I listened to the Huddle with Horse podcast and the interview that was done with Ike Hilliard. And his intelligence just, I mean, you can hear it in the words that he says. It jumps off the page at you. This is a guy that evaluates everything. It's the character. It's the skill set. It's the fit within the offense. And if he catches Ike's eye, I think he's somebody that you can probably think, okay, irregardless of the ranking, 
this is a guy that can come into the SEC and he can compete, whether he's ready from day one or not and requires some development. That's to be determined. But it's a guy that possesses what Ike thinks he needs to be successful in this league. And look, he wouldn't be the first small school prospect where there's been a split opinion. Okay. Guys like Sammy Coates were completely unknown until he came into an Auburn camp, worked out, and just completely blew the coaches away. And on the flip side, it's worked against guys like the Christian Story who went to Alabama and unfortunately has gotten lost in the shuffle. So we can go both ways on prospects like this. But like you said, having a guy like Ike Hilliard identify him early, saying this is a guy I want, this is a guy I'm going to pursue, should give Auburn fans confidence that this is a kid that can come in and play. Story is expected to announce his commitment, I think, around noon central time. It could be one, uh, but around midday he will announce his commitment. going to do it as a ceremony at Chipley High School and then uh, tweet it out after he makes it public. Big get would be for Auburn. And, you know, should Auburn get him, it would have two wide receivers. We think they could go after a third. And, Keith, you had an update earlier this week about Adam Hopkins. Yeah, a four-star receiver out of Thomas County Central, South Georgia School, uh, an area that's produced a lot of good players through the years. Uh, Charlie Ward was from there. There's been many, many more. Uh, he was a guy that was kind of earmarked, everybody thought, for Texas A&M over the summer. And he officially visited there, and I, I think he wanted to commit, but they weren't ready to take him. And uh, so that kind of – fell through. He decided to take a step back, kind of like Dukovia Sori's situation with Florida. I mean, he was probably going to commit to Florida uh, and uh, and then, you know, backed off. And I think it was because they were getting tight on numbers. And I think this might have been a similar situation, but Auburn was there to pounce on it. And I kill you again. It has swooped in and built a, a really strong relationship with him. Uh, he's probably well, he's definitely going to officially visit. He just doesn't know when yet. He's working with Auburn on a possible date. Um uh, Probably, yeah. Well, he he says that they've mentioned the Penn State weekend for an official visit. We'll see. I mean, uh, that's going to be a monster recruiting weekend. But you almost don't want to have too many official visitors. I mean, you got to be able to give each guy some individual time. Uh, so I guess maybe that's kind of the catch twenty two there. Hey, yeah, I want to have a ton of guys here, but on the other hand, we got to make sure that our staff can spend the right amount of time with each of these guys. So it's a little tricky, a little bit of a slippery slope. But um, he's going to officially visit. You know. Not as tall as Sori, more in the Carmelo English. I always want to say Carmelo Anthony. Always in the Carmelo English, also in the uh, Carmelo English mold, 5'11", 175, 180 in that range. But a guy that really uh, makes a lot of plays. Uh, you know, last week I think he had, I want to say, six catches for a, well over 100 yards. Um, he's just Great. a guy that it does it week after week, uh, makes a lot of plays, can kind of play all over the place. Uh, he says that. Uh, you know, he's probably more of a slot guy, but you know, you could play him at other spots. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you know, he wouldn't really talk about other schools too much, but he did mention FSU and Arkansas. Now I don't know how hard those two are coming after. And that's kind of sometimes the unknown. A lot of times we can make some calls and figure it out and okay, well, this school's really after him or this school's filled up, but I haven't had time to do that yet. So I, I don't really know, but those are some of the schools he mentioned, Arkansas and FSU. Uh, but Auburn, I, I think Jeff and in, in your reporting, I don't want to step on your toes, but I think, I think your people have said that Auburn feels like it's, it's got a legit shot here. If my memory's right, I can't recall, but, um, you know, obviously again, another guy that, uh, can play and it's South Georgia where Auburn should be doing well. Southwest Georgia, in fact, yeah, right. that's Auburn really should 
quite frankly, should do better there than it has done. Although it's a lot of bulldog country towns. You see the Georgia flags and bumper stickers everywhere. And it's also not far from FSU. So those are always going to be your main competition in those two areas. And now uh, Texas A&M's got uh, a staffer that worked at Georgia that's got ties to that area too. So they've been, that's why you've seen Texas A&M's presence kind of ramp up in the, in that region. But I, I, it seems like it's trending up for Auburn. Um, it's just going to be a matter of now, if you get sorry, that's two wide receiver commits. Will they absolutely have room for three? You know, looking at the numbers, it would suggest that they don't, but maybe they're anticipating, uh, you know, some attrition. I, I don't know. I mean, there's always things that happen. Maybe Landon King, they know, is going to move back to tight end. For example, that's just a hypothetical. I don't know. But uh, if they're going to take a third guy, this seems like the guy to watch. Yeah, and and with the numbers you mentioned, the numbers, of course, Sori would only be commitment number eight. Is that right? Yes. Commitment number eight. With two wide receivers, the reason that the numbers could be tight is because Auburn is expecting to take such a big offensive line class and only right now have a commitment from Braden Joyner. Keith had a story earlier this week, maybe late last week about – no, it was earlier this week. Jornoris Wilson, the big offensive tackle from Lakeland, coming in for an official visit for Penn State. Auburn's a, uh, in a very good spot with him. He actually came out and said Auburn was leading, if I'm not mistaken, significantly. And uh, – going to make a decision soon. Jay head you've got some numbers for us as far as I, I think I've mentioned eight guys, scholarship guys coming back. You think it might be nine, but that's with Cam coming back. That's with Keandre Jones coming back. That's with everybody not leaving. That's with everybody taking their super senior seasons. So talk to us about the offensive line depth, af- offensive line depth after this season. Okay. So after this season, you are guaranteed to lose six guys. So that's four that are in your starting lineup right now in Brandon Council, Austin Troxel, Killian Zaire, and obviously Nick Brahms, who was penciled in to start, but we're just kind of unsure as to what his status is going to be. And then beyond that, Alec Jackson and Brendan Coffey. So guaranteed those six guys, unfortunately, are gone. That's a huge chunk when you're talking about from a roster management standpoint. Moving forward, as you indicated, Jeffrey, you've got Jaleel Irvin and Cameron Stutz that have super senior seasons that they can come back for. After that, you've got Keandre Jones, who's going to have a decision. If he plays up to his capability, he's going to have a decision to make about the NFL draft, whether or not to enter. And look, if you're somebody that's contemplating donating to OTV, it might be nice to put in an OTV contribution to Keandre Jones (laughs) uh, to help retain him. But after him, Avery Jernigan, Tate Johnson, and Jeremiah Wright, who's the new name that's been added to the offensive line initially. When we projected those numbers of eight, Jeremiah was playing on defense on the defensive line. He's now back to the offensive line. Colby Smith, Garner Langlow, and Eston Harris. To give you a maximum of nine, you could have six coming back. Mm. That talks to you to the importance of offensive line recruiting in this class. And it was great news to hear about the position that we're in with Janoris Wilson. But it also speaks to we can't just load up on high school guys in this class. We can't just load up on portal guys or JUCO guys in this class. It's a situation where you've got to have layered depth. And you're probably looking at, I've got to think, between three to four tackle prospects in this class because you've got more on the interior returning than you do on the exterior. But you can't, you know, you can't not pay attention to the interior either. And you're going to have to land another three to four guys on the interior. And I'm just wondering, where do you guys see the numbers? How do you see, you know, how many would you take? If you're 
Darren Usher, or you're our general manager of, you know, football evaluations, and you're making recommendations to the coaching staff, what are your recommendations on, like, how many guys would you take? Is it just best available and you're going to grab it and it doesn't matter and you'll make the numbers work as you go? How would you guys handle that? Keith, you have an opinion here? Uh, well, I think you got to uh, – I was uh, looking at text messages, but, but I think what you got to – Text messages. Well, it'd be funny if, it'd be funny if I, I answered the question and it was nothing related to what he just said. But, no, offensive line. Okay, so I think what you got to do – so we talk about this all the time. You got to build – and sometimes I get it – I don't word it correctly. You got to build a program – and build the team at the same time. The team is next year. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, that means you got to go out and get some transfers on the O-line and probably a couple, a, you know, two or three JUCO guys. JUCO guys sometimes need a little seasoning before they're ready to be thrown out there too. A case in point, uh, Killian Zaire, who was the number one junior college offensive lineman in the country a few years ago. So it sometimes takes time. Now, he, I think he had an injury his first year at Auburn, so obviously that, that sent you back. Uh, so that would be to build the team, but to build a program and be in a position where you're not having to do this every single year, you better get your butts out there and sign four or five offensive linemen. Period. End of story. High school. This is this is something that has been ongoing since twenty the 2017 offensive line class that had Calvin Ashley, who I know people are going to say he was a bust, but at the time that was a big signee, and he did start at Auburn before he had some some issues. So. Um, uh, next up was Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms in that class. Since then, it's been just a, a the, I think I said it the other day, the Sahara Desert of offensive line recruiting. I mean, just, you know, they've got to figure that out. There, there's no more tomorrows in, in, in that respect. Yes, you can continue to go portal heavy every year, but the last two years, they didn't really strike gold in the portal on the offensive line. So there's no sure thing. Now, you could argue, you could say, well, that's because – Kids at other schools knew these guys were coming back, and you know that's why they wouldn't want to transfer in. What? But last year there was no sure thing that it was no sure thing. Excuse me, that Brahms and Troxel were coming back when Auburn was recruiting. Um, you know, earlier in the year when they were recruiting uh, gra- uh, transfer linemen, and and really still didn't have much success there. So that's got to be addressed quickly. Uh, you're going to have so many guys that need to be replaced, and I think the Jeremiah Wright move was a smart move. Uh, from what I'm told, there was some like, I, this, I hope this is accurate. I, this is what somebody told me. There were some NFL people that might have seen a recent practice and and thought that he would be better on the offensive line. And the kid was kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, that's what once once that was made clear to him, that was kind of that's where he needed to be. I mean, he's a, you know, that that's a huge help right there because he's a monster, but he needs the reps too. We've never really seen him play, right. so they've got a lot to address here, and you've got to do it again threefold. I'm getting repetitive here transfer market including a grad transfer maybe a one-year guy so you're not you know you're not stuck with that scholarship for several years but you maybe you also want a guy with a couple years left if they're really good then you got to have some juco guys and then you got to have a bunch of high school guys you got to really recruit all three this time which is unique yeah i would say jay had three to four offensive linemen from the high school level two juco's and one to two transfers i'm going i'm around eight Man, I'm telling Jeff, I think they need at least four at the high school level. That's just my opinion. I'm I'm with you, Keith. I think it's well, County count Brain Joiner. Oh, 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 I got you. Three more. I got you. I got you. Yep. You know, I, for a total of four to four four offensive linemen from high school. I mean, yes, four, at least four from high school. I would say two from JUCO and one to two transfers. 
maybe even I, I'm Jeff. I, I feel like it's even it's four to five from high school, two from junior college, and two from the portal. I mean, I think that number is eight to nine. I honestly, because I'm looking at the numbers right now, in the last three years, we've signed six offensive linemen. Six. I actually had four two two written down. Yep. You have got to escalate those numbers if you're Auburn and you're ever going to fix this from a roster management standpoint. It's just six over three. That's an average of two per season. That's that's just not enough. I mean, I think in a situation in today's college game where attrition can happen at any moment until they put the installation of portal windows in place, you just you're going to have to take four guys every year. I mean, to keep your numbers where you want them, you're going to have to take about four guys every season. And to this point, we just unfortunately haven't been able to do that. I hope that Janoris Wilson sometime possibly uh, jumping on board here soon after Penn State or at the Penn State game and his official visit would be the start of that. Maybe a guy like Tyler Johnson from Louisiana gets an offer. He's somebody I think that could potentially jump in the boat should we pull the trigger there. You know, do you double back on Connor Liu? Is there a way to get in on DJ Chester? What happens with Bo Hughley? Um, what happens with guys that bloom late? You know, and then the junior college market, obviously you've got Elijah Felipe and you've got Jada that you've identified early. And then the portal just obviously, it hasn't developed to the point that you can identify targets just yet. But you've got to reserve spots to grab guys. And like Keith said, I think, if you're looking to grab them from the portal, unless they're an all-star, they need to be a one-year guy because you just don't want to waste a roster spot on somebody that's a marginal player. You want who you take at this point to bring value to your roster. I think of those transfer portal guys, you need a group of five starter tackle. Yes. With one year of eligibility left, a grad transfer even, who can come in and give you a one year to kind of fill that gap of, of, of your development of maybe even a JUCO guy. Uh, so a, a lot of – and I'll tell you what, you, you mentioned OTV. On to victory is Auburn's uh, collective, Auburn's main collective. And they're fr from behind the scenes, it sounds like they're really working to, in the right direction. Or I'm very encouraged with what I'm hearing about Auburn's NIL. And, you know, with the offensive line being such a huge need, I love what uh, – is it Texas Tech? Yes. Texas Tech has done. Which says basically every scholarship offensive lineman five thousand dollars. Is it a year? I'm not exactly sure on the. Numbers. I don't think it's a month. No, and obviously Texas has got their offensive line program where every kid's getting like fifty grand or something of that nature that they sign, um, which. I don't know that we'll be able to compete at that level as far as that's concerned. But what Texas Tech is doing, I think, like you said, is every kid's guaranteed like $10,000. So every offensive lineman is guaranteed ten dollars to $20,000 or something of that magnitude, which to me I think is doable for the, you know, for the sandbox that we're playing in. That's a situation where we can compete. Now, obviously, you know, when you start talking – NIL, it can't be utilized as an inducement, and I don't want things to, to be seen as such. But you can absolutely talk to them about what your program has once you sign and what will be available to you once you arrive on campus. That's that's not, you know I mean, discouraged by any means. Just the actual facilitation of a deal prior to their arrival on campus. If there is a company 
our rich man wanting to help Auburn out, it would be NIL via offensive line, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, offensive line and edge. You just you have to hit home runs in both those spots. The depth just isn't there moving forward. Janoris Wilson's coming in for Penn State. Uh, Ashley Williams. Trying to think who uh, – well, the first official visit's coming up with the season starting next weekend. I don't, I don't expect any Mercer official visits. I think San Jose State's got Jamarian Harkless. Penn State has got uh, Norris Wilson. Shit. Keith, can you think of that? Well, I mean, I got to look it up here. But uh, Dequavius Sorry, whether he commits to Auburn or not, we think he's going to go to Auburn. He'll be on an official visit that weekend. Uh, potentially Adam Hopkins is going to be coming in for the Penn State game. Um, let's see. Visits. Wilkie. Wilkie's coming in, not Ashley. It's Wilkie Denod. Wilkie Denod, Janoris Wilson, and Kai Preen is still listed as an official visit. I'm going to have more on him today. I think uh, Cole actually had a uh, a story on him earlier this week. He is still an option for Auburn. Well, and, and again – <clears throat> Well, I would just say, again, you don't want too many people – you don't want to have a ton of official visitors on a big weekend like that because the staff is going to be busy Friday night. The staff is going to be busy Saturday morning. It's not a night game. If it was a, if it was a night game, then the staff would have a little more free time the day of the game. So it, it is tough. It's difficult. You want to have guys there ideally for unofficial visits and then get them back for official visits later, the ones that haven't already officially visited. So you don't want, you don't want too many guys there. At least four, maybe five. Yeah, that's that's yeah. plenty. They can they can manage that. Also, college staffs are much bigger now than they used that's to. True. Got other people, but but again, these guys want to spend time with with coaches. Then there's always the thing that you know, what if you lose? Uh, you then the next morning when you know the the exit interview time and the the brunch with the head coach and does does that you know how does that go after you know how how does a staff handle it? That's always a, a Again, a, a, a tricky thing for a coaching staff. Agreed. And, and, you know, when I was looking at some analytics, Keith, they were talking about the value of unofficial visits during the season to get them there for that game atmosphere, but then the ability to, and I guess the recency bias of the visit and getting them to visit in November or towards the end of November and even into December where more time can be put into that individual prospect and that relationship and how much more that had actually worked towards, I guess, that player's commitment just because of that visit being able to stick in their mind and being fresh. Yeah, you know, you don't have – well, you, you know, you don't have Alabama Georgia at home this year, but it's not a bad schedule because you got Penn State, LSU, and Texas A&M, and Arkansas is now a fairly attractive opponent. And, uh, you know, so it's not a bad home schedule, quite frankly. So you got you got plenty of opportunities. And then for the kids – that had an official visit that didn't officially visit during that period, you can bring them in, you know, in, in December, those couple weekends before signing day. So it, it actually, it's not a, it's not a bad idea to spread them out a little bit, to be honest with you, because the, the theory being that you don't really need, a lot of times you use the official visit to get a kid there that maybe that's, they might not have too many chances to visit. Let's say if you're going to bring them in for a big game uh, or, or a game weekend, but a big game, all the kids want to be there anyway. So right. the theory is that they're going to they're going to pay their own way to go to the big games. We'll bring them back another time. You know, that's that's kind of how they they've always thought about that. Official visit. Of course, Missouri's the next weekend and you've got yeah, you two that game. You've got two Alex Sanford, you've got Marcellus Pulliam both coming in. Potentially Brett Norfleet 
the tight end from Missouri who's committed to Missouri could could be at the Missouri game. Another one to keep an eye on. And then you've got guys like, you know, Conrad Hussey. You've got guys like Cedric Hawkins. You've got defensive backs down in Florida committed to other schools who we expect to return to Auburn or officially visit Auburn at some point. Keith, you were at had Cedric Hawkins, Cocoa Beach or Cocoa. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking about him? Yeah, I mean, you know, on the record, he's saying all the right things. He's firm to Ohio State. Now, they've got three safety commits, which seems like a lot, but supposedly they're going to take three or four. Uh, but there is chatter out there. There's, uh, you know, people think that, that Auburn's got a shot. I know, look, Auburn and FSU are still recruiting the guy and communi- communicating with him almost daily. Now, you don't put effort into a guy like that if you don't think there's a realistic chance. And it's not just Auburn. It's FSU, too. So that tells me that the door is at least slightly cracked open. I and mean, he's listening. He hasn't cut them off. He's saying, hey, you know, I, I got to keep my options open. That's that's what he's that's what he's basically saying. So I think he's definitely somebody to watch. But, Jeff, I got to say, while we were recording the show, uh, Miami site uh, in the On3 Network, Kane Sport, put out an update on Emory Williams, the quarterback from Milton, Florida, that we've been writing about. And he flat out told me that he was probably going to officially visit Auburn a few weeks ago. And I, I think he got info that he was probably going to officially visit. And Kane Sports reporting, just as we have been recording this podcast, that they do not expect him to officially visit Auburn. They do not expect. Now, things change. They changed since we wrote it a couple of weeks ago to now, and maybe they could change back. So not sure exactly what the development is there, whether they put the clamps on that or whether there's other things. Jeff, I think you may have a little bit more intel on that one, but just wanted to put that out there. I, I believe it or not, I think he's down the board a bit. I think Auburn's going to be on J.J. Cole. And who was the other one, J-Head? Oh, Brock Glenn. Brock Glenn, yeah. yeah. I, I think they're going to ride those two out and see if they can't uh, gain some traction in their recruitments before they get to an Emory Williams or, um, or somebody like that. But that's uh, – yeah, he had told me too, Keith, that was right after Auburn had offered that. He was he was very excited about that offer. Yeah, first SEC offer. Um, So – I would uh, keep an eye on that. I, he might be like, you know, Cedric Hawkins. That's right. You know, he, he could be saying all the right things in the public eye and uh, at the same time communicating with Auburn. But I, he has some legit, genuine interest. I just don't know that Auburn's pushing very, extremely hard for him right now, which could could be that. Um, another guy, you know, we're talking about Cedric Hawkins. We're talking about Conrad Hussey. Another guy that's committed to another school, defensive back-wise, that Auburn just offered, I think, on Thursday. Yeah. Tyler, it's Tyler Scott. Yeah, Tyler Scott, the Arkansas Arkansas State commitment, who is who has picked up Miss, Miss, Mississippi State. He's kind of blown up in the past week. Mississippi State. Um, who else was it? Uh, Vanderbilt, UCF, Missouri, Missouri Georgia uh, Tech, uh, Georgia Tech, and Florida and Tennessee. I'm told are sniffing around as well and could potentially pull the trigger on an offer. He is from Jared Harper's neighborhood. He's from Mableton, Pebblebrook. High school. And, and I think, Jeff, I got one more for you. I read the other day that Jakeem Jackson out of Kissimmee Osceola down in Florida, who Auburn liked a lot. He's got, I think he's got one remaining official and he's going to take it to Kentucky. Now, he's already taken an official to Auburn, but if he's taking another official visit, he's committed to Florida right now. Does that mean that maybe the, the door's cracked a little bit there? I don't know. It seems like it'd be hard to get him away from UF being where he's located, but you never know. I mean, he is taking one more official. So I think that means that we probably got to start keeping track of him again. Yep. T-Bell's cousin, if I'm not mistaken, cousin. That's right. That's yep. right. Yep. Yep. T-Bell, the pride and, of Osceola. 
the alma mater of the great Frank Ford, my, well, my one of my favorite Auburn basketball players of all time. Do you remember what uh, number Frank Ford wore? Oh God, I don't know. I just remember seeing him as a kid down in, when they played in Gainesville, and he he was the biggest. Um, what do you call it? He would talk a lot of noise during the games. Let's put it that way. He was not a guy that the fans there liked. And I think that's probably why I kind of liked him. He just I, I knew there was a five in it, right? It was yeah. 15. He wore 15. Yeah, yeah. yeah, great player. He just passed away a few years ago. Said, mm. glad to see him go so early, but what a hell of a player. Frank Ford. Who was uh who was Florida's Frank Ford? Well, at that time it would have been Vernon Maxwell, who uh, yeah, obviously became a star in the NBA. But yep. they, had the, they had the guys, you guys may remember, the M&Ms they called them. Vernon Maxwell, Andrew Moten, and Ronnie Montgomery. They ran a true three-guard system. Andrew Moten was uh, was a great player. Both him and Vernon averaged uh, 16 to 20 points a game. And then Ronnie Montgomery was their point guard, a little guy from Jacksonville. Rebalt, big, backs, big basketball school in Jacksonville. But they, they had a lot of good games with Auburn back then. Uh, Barkley, Person, Chris Morris, a lot of good games. And two coaches, by the way, who absolutely hated each other's guts. Norm Sloan and Sonny Smith. In fact, Philip Marshall uh, always <laughs> tells me that the writer, you know, the great Auburn writer always tells me how much Sonny kid couldn't stand Norm Sloan. Uh, those two guys hated each other, hated each other. There were a lot more personalities in the SEC back then than, than even today, I think, to be honest with you. You had some real, you had some real uh, interesting dudes on the sidelines. Oh, no hey. question. And, th- and, you know, speaking of basketball, we talk yeah. about official visits for football season, but Bruce Pearl's going to take advantage of this home schedule, especially the Penn State game, expecting some basketball official visitors to start popping up in the next week or two. And probably going to be underclassmen guys because in basketball, as a junior, you get five official visits. As a senior, you get five official visits. So I'm expected to see some, I'm expected to see some unofficial visits for basketball as well. Auburn will be kicking off a week from tomorrow. Lord have mercy. Right? Longest offseason in the history of mankind. We're oh, finally good. at the end of it, fellas. Going to have an unofficial, I would imagine, several unofficial visitors next week for the Mercer game. It's not going to be a big recruiting tool for Auburn, but it's a chance to get some of these 2024 guys on campus, some 2025 guys on campus. I expect to see a lot of underclassmen. We've already seen several offers to 2024s go out. Man, like in just in the last – probably a week or two, I, w- I would say at least a dozen, maybe more, probably more, 2024 offers going out for Auburn, getting to jump on that class. A lot of in-state guys, uh, Tampa Catholic kid, T.J. Moore was recently offered. I know a running back was recently offered from, I think he's from Georgia. I can't remember. I, I, 2024s, I'm not there yet. I've just been noticing the offers and uh, some of the more notable ones especially down there at Tampa Catholic where you've got Lewis Carter, you've got Jairus McIntyre, you've got Dontarius Thomas, a lot of Auburn flavor there. So, um, so a, a lot of offers going out. Hey, we're going to cut it short this week because we got stuff to do. We got, st- we got, some- we got something to uh, cover, keep an eye on. But we will not go without how about you. And Keith has got a long list of how about you because he's just a, a fan favorite on the corner. <laughs> I do. No, I don't expect you to. But Jay Head does. Well, actually, I've only got one today. All right. And it's not going to be somebody on the corner. Shout out to Brian Head, excuse me, uh, to LaRondo, to Brad LaRondo for getting in Brian Harson's ear and doing what I think is a very smart PR move and having an open practice tomorrow 
for those that want to go get an advanced look at the team. I think it's a very media savvy move to open up your 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 doors, let fans come in, see this product that you're going to try to sell throughout the season, and kind of get that fan interest up. There's been so much negativity from February moving forward. This is an opportunity for you to go out and to see the team that you appreciate, that you cheer for. Um, take advantage, guys. Take advantage. If you love this show, take advantage and go to the open practice. Open practice a week before the season starts with a quarterback. Controversy, battle, raging on. So that that very uh, uncharacteristic in college football, much less Brian Harson. Yeah. I've got uh, two handfuls. I've got uh, – how about you, the big old Stephen – Oh, how about you, Stephen Queef? <laughs> how about you, the Don Juan, two times squared, the Don Juan squared? How about you, the w, U Dub U Wax Tiger seventy nine? How about you, the y'all tripping? Good poster. How about you, the Big Mama with a Y? Yeah, Big Mama with Big Mama with a Y. How about you, the Blue Corn Draco twenty four fifty five? New new poster coming in, Weagle 15. How about you, the, oh, Weagle 15? How about you, the AU Mac 2010? It's got two C's in there, Auburn Mac. Easy Dingleberry of the Week this week. Easy. Freaking Shacker Jack. Mm. Shacker Jack comes on the, the corner, a message board, posts a picture from like 2012 of Brian Harson on top of a mountain in Idaho. It says that Brian Harson was in Idaho and he's got a picture on Snapchat to prove it from right memories. Like his daughter posted a memory on Snapchat from like 2006. Shacker, the, uh, the young bucks uh, Shacker. I don't even know he's getting hair on his peaches yet, but he, uh, he came on the board. What a dingleberry Shacker. You're better than that. Big dog shaker, formerly known as Shacker. Jack. And, and, and one more, I, I I I wrote this down, and I can't remember if it was a Hibachi or a Dingleberry. I tend to lean lean more towards Dingleberry because Granite Tiger is he, he's got some Dingleberry in him sometimes. I well, let me shout him out. You know what I mean? I think that's what I was doing. So I put that. Obviously, the the new Pat Dye documentary is going to release here very soon. Um, in fact, I think they're going to do an official viewing. At the uh, at the theater there in Auburn the night before the opening game, and within that thread he talked about how he worked on Pat Dye's farm as a kid. His dad knew Dye personally. Um, he could speak to you know various stories, both good and bad, on Pat, but that he had very fond memories. So shout out to Granite Tiger for that. We don't shout out here, Jay Hen. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> how about you? Hey, I, I, all right. So I'm going to give Granite Tiger because I'm sure at some point he deserves a Dingleberry. So I, I'm going to list him as a how about you and a Dingleberry. Congratulations, Granite Tiger. You have touched all the bases here. And uh, sh- let's see. That's it. Good how about you's man, Keith. We appreciate you joining us, big dog. We'll be back. Keith and I will be back for the Inside the Twenty on Monday. We're going to do that every Monday and Wednesday. We're going to talk defense next Monday on the Inside the 20 podcast. We're going to be back Tuesday night with Jay Head and Cole for the call-in show. And, of course, we'll be back with the Sherpa Pod next Friday, the day before the game, folks. It's time to get serious. And if you're not serious, or if you are serious, you're a member of Auburn Live on 3. If you're not, you're not. And now's a chance to get serious. One dollar for an entire year. you got about four or five more days to do it, man. Don't wait any longer, like I said. It's always 26, so five more days to join us. Please do. You will not be disappointed. You'll get your money's worth in the first minute.
Right. And we appreciate everybody. What you got, Jay Head? Smash that like button. There you go. If you haven't already, subscribe <laughs> to his YouTube channel. Give my man Zach McKinnell some love here. You know what I mean? He does fantastic work behind the scenes and does all this for us. But help us out here. Make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to this channel. Like this, like this podcast. Subscribe and like. That's what there YouTubers you say. And we there are YouTubers. Hey, listen, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you guys back here next week for Jay head for Keith, for Zach in the back. I'm Jeffrey Lee. Stay on the left lane. Bless it. See you.